Welcome to the Business with Bordeaux podcast, where we're bringing basic business tips to entrepreneurs and the future leaders of tomorrow. Let's get down to business. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Business with Bordeaux podcast. First episode of the year 2020. Thank you so much for joining me in the beginnings of this year. I do want to apologize. It's been a while since I've released an episode of this show. I want to say the last episode I did was with Aaron Knight. And uh, which you know happened to be one of my most talked about interviews of last year. But today's interview is going to be a little bit different. This is not music business oriented at all. This is about starting a concrete cutting business with uh, a friend of mine from church, Jared London, uh, growing this company five years. So he's kind of in the heat of it, growing this thing and sharing the wisdom that he has gotten from it. One of the biggest things being uh, make sure you have a solid team and treating your people right and your customers right, customer service, all those things, which I think are really, you know, all of those, those principles are transferable to any business in any type of business model. So make sure you stay tuned for that. I do want to thank uh, sponsors for this episode. AJB4 has released a new single titled Real or Fake from his short film, Ain't God All Right. So make sure you go and check that out. And also the Cofields, Calvin and Kimberly Rice Cofield, they have a music video for their new single, I'm Straight. Make sure you check them out. Uh, Shout out to both of them for being a sponsor for this episode. Also, patron supporter Aaron Simpkins at TrueStrengthApparel.com. He actually hosts all of the Solomon's Porch podcast merch over there if you want to check that out. And uh, Jay Sannon, LT Smith. Uh, two artists who also support this show on a monthly basis. You can do that. Sign up at patreon.com slash business with if you'd like to do that. But I do appreciate you listening and checking this out. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode that I'm getting ready to share with you with Jared London. All righty, welcome back to another interview here on the Business with Bordeaux podcast. I'm excited this week to have another in-person interview. As you know, most of my interviews are over Skype or telephone, something like that. But I have uh, so a gentleman that actually uh, is in charge of a couple of the areas of volunteer at my local church. Uh, he owns his own company, which is uh, called Dynamic Concrete Cutting, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, you were the co-owner with your wife, been in business for five years. I uh, have with me Jared London. How you doing, sir? Doing well. Doing awesome, well. man. Awesome. It's good to have you. Uh, most people who listen to the show know that I do a lot of music business type stuff. And so it was good to have something else that's kind of hands-on that other people are involved with outside of music. And, and it helps broaden the show a little bit. Right. But um, so just out of curiosity, man, um, you've been doing it for five years. What got you into this world of concrete cutting? Um, long, long, long time ago, <laughs> probably 15 years ago, I was living in Texas um, where I was raised. My father flew down. My brother was having his daughter. My father flew down. He was in the industry as far as uh, demolition, tearing down buildings and whatnot. And they use concrete cutting a lot. And my father was telling me about it, said he wanted to try to start a company. And uh, one thing led to another, and him and I and my uncle started a company and sold it shortly thereafter, about two years after that. So we moved from Texas to North Carolina and Started the company, and that's how I got into, you know, concrete cutting. Never really saw it before or was trained in it or anything like that. 
So when you started it in Texas, did y'all like go in as co-partners and start it? So we actually started it here in North Carolina. Okay. My father lived in North Carolina. Um, and yes, yeah, we were, we were partners. Uh, there was actually four of us, me, my stepmother, my father, and my uncle. So um, was it kind of, did y'all feel any hesitation in going into business together as family members? At, at the time, I think I was 20. Um, if you can remember anything about being 20, there's really not a lot of hesitation. <laughs> right. You know, you not just, a lot of deep process. Yeah, nope, think. not at all. You just have this unshakable, uh, you know, belief in yourself and you can make anything work. You're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And right. that's kind of how I approached it. You know, it was, of course it was going to work. Yeah. Um, and you know, there was, there was struggles. (laughs) There was definite struggles. Um, my father had a, you know, full-time job. My stepmom had a full-time job. Ended up, I had to get a full-time job and I cut concrete Mm -hmm. at night, you know, for free for a long time to try to build the company up. And then, uh, this is about two years in, two and a half years in, we ended up selling it uh, to a very, very large demolition company that my father worked for, the largest in the in the United States. And that was the start of a concrete cutting division for that company. Gotcha. I stayed on with them for a little over 10 years and started it and ran it and built it and just had my fill one day and put put my notice in and quit it's just it got to be um it got to be big it got to be it was just a lot it was a lot of travel um the company did demolition and Mm -hmm. asbestos they didn't cut concrete before us and it was sort of the the best way that i can describe it is it was like uh, the owners of a walmart buying a mcdonald's in trying to run the McDonald's like the Walmart as opposed to running it like a McDonald's. Right. Uh, just square peg and round hole, you know, <laughs> didn't didn't fit. And, you know, eventually coming into work every day and um, working for a company that had a different vision of what we wanted to be than I had. Right. Uh, but yet I'm the one tasked with carrying it out. I just got to be a little much, so quit one day yeah i can imagine that's that's difficult and um so just kind of real quick why did the company and and, and this might be something that some folks don't really understand or may question is instead of them just starting their own concrete cutting division why did they feel the need to buy yours out um i think at the time it was sort of a, a natural progression for them um anytime you're you're getting into a new industry. You want, at the risk of calling myself an expert, you want some sort of expertise, <laughs> right? Um, you know, it's it's a whole different game. That you know, there's there's details and nuances about it that uh, you just you don't know unless you're in that line of work. Gotcha. Um, so while it went hand in hand with what they did, it was a completely different industry that they they weren't geared for they didn't they didn't know anybody that did it i mean my specific trade concrete cutting uh, it takes it takes about four or five years to train somebody from fresh to a legit actual operator Mm. Um, a lot of training goes into it a lot of on the job training a lot of money a lot of time and uh 
if they can buy something and kind of hit the ground running with, you know, uh, processes and, you know, stuff that are already in place, then for larger companies like that, it's, it's better to do that than to try to start from scratch. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you, so y'all sold that mm-hmm. and then you came to North Carolina. It was actually, that was in North Carolina. Okay. That was, that in, was North Carolina. in North Carolina. Yep. Okay. And so was it, so there was no kind of, uh, like no, no compete contract at all. Cause eventually you started your own company, right? Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. So we, uh, I actually quit, quit, uh, horrible advice here, but I quit that company and didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, kind of had put <laughs> put all my heart and soul into it for about 10 years. Were you and married when you quit? Yeah, married, okay. two kids. Okay, okay. Yeah, married, two kids. Um, and was... <laughs> How'd your was, wife feel about that? I, I think that's one of the keys to... Uh, business as far as I'm concerned is you have to, you have to have a team, right? You know, everybody thinks that they're going to go it alone and, and I'm sure there are people out there that do. Um, but for me, my path, my journey has been with an awesome team and my wife has been the, you know, the cornerstone of that. Um, she's the one that actually convinced me to start a concrete cutting company. That's like awesome. I said, when I quit, um, I just called my wife. I was, I was riding, we had an issue on a job site. It was a simple issue to fix. Um, probably had dealt with stuff like that a thousand times over the years and almost lost my cool on a job site with the general contractor over something silly. Mm. And at that point I knew I was just kind of done. Uh, you know, business, it, it, it takes it out of you. Right. You know, it, it emotionally, it, Mentally, it just takes it out of you. And I just needed a clean break. And I called my wife and I, and said, you know, babe, I, I think I'm done. And uh, she's like, you're talking about with your job? I said, yeah, I think I'm going to go back and put my notice in. This was over the phone riding back from Durham. Right. And she said, yeah, I agree. No hesitation, no nothing. And so then I find myself like, well, what are we going to do for money? She's like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'm like, you understand, I'm, I'm talking about <laughs> leaving a very good job, right? And she's, you know, she's just in my corner 100%. And she's just, yeah, man, yeah, nope, no worries. We'll, we'll figure it out, whatever. It is what it is. Right. You know, she just, she said that she knew the toll that it was taking on me and she didn't want to see it. She didn't like it. She didn't, you know, didn't want to be at odds. Didn't, she just didn't want it. She'd rather you know, be broke and living in a tent, then, <laughs> you know, have a nice home and, you know, all that stuff and be miserable. And, uh, that was sort of the approach that we took with it. Um, with starting a business, I can very specifically remember telling her, I don't think you understand what this means. <laughs> you know, when I quit, um, it took a while. It took probably a, it was about a two or three month long process. Um, but eventually on my last day going home, um, still had no idea what I wanted to do. No idea what I wanted to do. And, uh, her saying, well, we got to start a company. I'm like, babe, you don't understand what this means. Like this is, this is us broke for years. You know, this is tuna fish and ramen for years. Was she involved with the other? Not at all. Okay. So she's just like coming into this fresh. Completely blind. Yeah. She, and that's why she was so quick to say we should start the company. Probably. Yeah, probably. (laughs) So her, her, she was an office manager 
um, for a, a custom home builder for several, several years. Um, and then when we got uh, pregnant with my daughter, um, she put her notice in and quit. So she, at that point, it was five years ago, my son was just born. My daughter was probably four. So for about five years, she had been out of work. Hmm. Um, my son was about six months old at the time. My daughter was almost four. So, yeah, I mean, a very, very bad time, very bad planning on our part. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. To, uh, you know, decide. It was not the right time, you know, just to, to go in and do it. I don't know that there's ever a right time. Yeah, that's true, I think. And that's true for almost almost anything. You know, mm -hmm. it's like kids. You know, when you're ready to have kids, you're never really ready. Um, and I think there's some things in business, you know, that, that, that can be measurable, but you're never fully ready. I I can only speak for, our, <laughs> our, you know, what we did, our journey. And right. We were not, we were in a very bad position. Um, not so much financially, but just at the stage in our life, you know, I, I, I have no schooling in business. My wife has no schooling in business. Everything that we've we've uh, learned or at the time that we knew was sort of based on me running, you know, a, a very large company, starting and running a very large company. But there's a – you don't know what you don't know, you know. And right. there's such right. a big difference between being a division manager for a company and being an owner for your own company. Right. Um, especially a division manager of a, you know, a, they're a $200 million a year company. So there's processes, there's systems that are set up. You know, there's a whole safety department. There's accounts already set up. You know, there's, there's just so much already set up that I didn't realize at the time how much I was actually working within a system. You know, right. you feel like it's all falling on you as an employee. Um, but there's so much... That was already the, the the foundation for a good business was already laid before I was born. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so getting out on your own and, uh, you know, trying to lay that foundation along with doing everything else that, you know, being in the meeting and cleaning the bathroom, you know, when, when you're, when you're starting a business, you're, you're the, you're everything. You're the janitor. You're the, you know, for me, I was the lead operator, the owner, the safety man. I mean, everything. Right. You wear all the hats. All the hats. All the hats. Yes. It and don't get paid a lot to do it. No. So, so speaking of, you know, eating the top Roman and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff, um, explain to people why it takes so long uh, for you to go through that to get out of that stage. So in... Cause I, it's, it's almost true for anybody. Cause a lot of people talk about that being a journey. Like you pretty much live on nothing for so long running a business and working 80 hours a week just to go home and eat garbage, you know, for lack of a better term. Um, I think that's, you know, that's why it takes passion and a love to do what you do. Cause otherwise you're really going to hate it. But, but just kind of explain like why people have to go through that. Cause that's, that's true for almost any business owner. Um, yeah. So for, for us, and like I say, I can only really speak to our journey, but for us, um, my business is pretty expensive to get into and the equipment is all expensive. Um, I, I think, um, there was probably a part of me that thought that 
because of my experience and, you know, we had good credit and we had money in the bank and the 401k and all that stuff that, that a bank might possibly look at us and, and loan us startup money. Um, that was not the case for us. You know, right. there was no, there was no bailout per se. There was, there was nobody standing in line willing to, to help us out when we started. So, I mean, you know, we cashed in 401k, anything that we had any money in, uh, we sold, you know, I had two Camaros, four wheelers, motor, you know, motorcycle, I mean, it was all sold, um, to try to get the, the startup to be able to live. Um, and in my industry, you have to have the equipment, you have to have the truck, you have to have the diamond, you know, you have to have the supply just to go do the job. Then you go do the job and now you have to wait you know, 30, 40, 60, 90, 120 days to get paid, mm. you know? So a lot of what we do, our profit is tied up in our receivables. Um, now what's that? What's receivables? The work that you've already done that you haven't been paid for. Okay. You know, that's your, that's your log of money that you're owed. Because like I said, if I do a job today, I have all of my cost is front loaded. I don't get paid for that job depending on the customer and the contract and all that stuff. Sometimes, you know, 120, 130 days, sometimes it's 30 days. Um, now, is that part of the contract? Do you write that in like you're expected to get paid this point in time? Yeah. So being a contractor on, um, we don't do any residential work. We're a large commercial. So <laughs> being a sub, right. Um, you're, you're kind of, you can write whatever you want to write into the contract. Um, but by and large, you know, I've got, I've, I've got the option to try to file a lien at 100 before 120 days. Other than that, you know, you don't really have a lot of leverage with the customer. Um, in our industry, it's just widely known. That's how long it takes to get paid. So I can send out a contract all day long, um, but for the most part, I'm not the one writing the contract. You know, the 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 people who own the work, the owners of the building, the general contractors, they're the ones that are issuing the contracts for the work. So I submit a bid, or sometimes we don't submit a bid. Sometimes it's just come do work where they just call us up and say, hey, we got such and such to do. We go do it, and then we bill them. Gotcha. Um, but all of that stuff, you're, you're subject to their billing process, you know, and you have to get the bill into them the superintendent approves it. The project manager approves it. Um, you know, that, that all takes time. And then it goes to their accounts payable department, gets entered into their system. That takes time. Um, you know, so a lot of the times you're, you're the majority of our receivables are 45 to 90 days. Um, well, I mean, as you can imagine, if you're growing, if you're a growing business, I've got, all of my cost is, is front loaded. You know, I have to have the equipment and the, and the guys and the trucks and the fuel and all to get to the job site to do it. Right. So whatever money we, we make on that job is tied up in my receivables. Right. Well, if you're constantly growing, which typically when you first start a business, you're constantly growing. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. And, and we were fortunate enough. We were blessed enough that, I mean, even to this day, we're constantly growing. So... You know, say you make whatever your margin is, 15%, 20%, 30% on a job. If you're growing by, you know, 15%, 20 30%, uh, you're, 
all of your profit is tied up in your receivables. So it's it's pretty well spent on your growth before you ever receive it. Right. <laughs> so, you know, for the first several years, it's not that we were doing bad in business and we weren't making any money. It's that all the money that you make is tied up in your receivables. And as you're receiving it, it goes back into the business to keep up with your growth. Right. You know, so for uh, two or three years, I mean, for two years, my wife and I kind of lived on savings, my family, I should say, my, my kids as well. Um, we didn't really take money out of the business at all. Um, you know, the, the, the business paid for the fuel and stuff like that. But as far as, you know, our, our mortgage and our food and, you know, we didn't really do a lot on the weekends, but um, if there was ever anything done, it, it, it came out of savings. Um, every dollar that we made, every single dollar that we made went right back into the company to buy more equipment, um, which helped us grow at a, at a pretty fast clip. But, you know, you and your family, I don't know if suffer is the word. But, um, <laughs> you do without a lot of luxurious you, things. Exactly. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, you, you, we had to make a decision to stop living a life of somewhat luxury and start, you know, kind of more or less get back down into the dirt and, you know, try to plant something with the hopes that in the four, five year, 10 year, 15 year run that it pays off. Right. You know, you just have to have a, a belief, uh, belief in your, in your business, in your market, uh, in, in your employees, in yourself, you know, that, that it's all going to benefit. Uh, going back to kind of the start, you know, you were, she was wanting you to do it mm-hmm. and you were very hesitant. What finally made you bite the bullet? Um, I think the thing that was, I, I, I enjoy the work. Um, I, I've always enjoyed the physical aspect of what we do. What we do is physically very hard. Um, I, I'm kind of a, the type of guy, like I have a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. So for it's always been, uh, it helps me sleep at night when I can go out there and just physically exhaust yourself. You know, you don't have to question the world and why it spins. You Like, you're just tired. You right. just go home and go to sleep. So I've always really enjoyed the physical side of it, the work side of it. That was never for me. That was never the question. Um, what my question was is I didn't think she was fully aware of what it was going to take to do it. And over the course of about two weeks after, after I quit my job, we just had a lot of conversations and every single one of them sort of led back to, she was game. She wanted to do this, that, that she wanted something in her life, you know, because she had given up her career five years ago for our kids, which is something that we always wanted. Um, and it, it was just kind of making sure that she understood what this really meant, you know, because I had, I had done it actually twice before in the same industry. You know, we started a company, sold it when I sold it, you know, although the the processes and everything were already in place with the other business, um, it was still in a, in a way starting from scratch, right. you know, getting new customers, training guys, building equipment, you know, I'd been through all of that stuff. So I, I knew, you know, what you say about the 80 hour weeks, you know, I would say that there was a lot of hundred, hundred hour weeks, mm. 110 hour weeks, 
I mean, there was a lot of lot of working day shift and night shift, sleeping in the truck just to go back and work day shift again. I mean, there was a lot of that stuff, and I'm fine with that. Um, but I had I had done it twice already without kids, um, and my I guess my hesitation was that she wasn't aware of what it was going to take, and I didn't want the the negative impact on my kids and you know, right. I wanted to be there with my kids. And in my mind, I'd already put in with this industry. I shouldn't have to do this again. Um, and just through the course of, like I said, it was about two weeks of having conversations with her. Um, I can remember one day she said, look, because I told her, I said, babe, we might have to sell the house. You know, we have money in the house. We might have to sell this. Like, this is real. We're making a real decision here. Yeah. And she just looked at me and said, if we have to sell the house and go live in a tent down by the, the lake, the kids love the lake. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I'll say this, though. In all of this, like all of these things, you know, people make these kind of sacrifices. But if your spouse is not on board, that changes the game. Because I've heard of people that are willing, that they're willing to do it but their families are having to suffer through it because they really don't want to do it. Uh, which is why so many CEOs, business owners, entrepreneurs are divorced. Yes. I've heard of so many stories that they they just, they can't keep a spouse because their spouse is not willing to make that sacrifice. So in your case, it's a lot different because your wife seems to be completely on board. Yes. Uh, so that's one thing I want to put out to anybody out there that don't make your wife suffer and it's kind of you know one of the things that uh, that I, you know I kind of agree with the overall idea. But Dave Ramsey used to always tell people trying to get out of debt, you know, like if, if your spouse isn't on board, you need to find a way to make it your spouse's idea. Now, I wouldn't say make your spouse want to do these things, but in general, yeah. if your spouse's <laughs> idea, you're okay. <laughs> yeah, so. I, for for again for me and and my journey and our journey with dynamic, um, I was this will sound how it's going to sound, but I, I was good at my job. Right. I'm, I'm a good concrete cutter. That, that part of it was never, uh, you know, necessarily a question for me. Um, so you had already mastered the craft of the work. I, I don't know if I, I, I'm good at it. Okay. Um, you know, the, the ABCs of cutting concrete aren't, aren't an issue for me. Um, you know, if there's, Fortunately, working for the company that I worked for, like I said, they're a $200 plus million a year company. I mean, I had jobs from Florida to D.C. to Indiana. They were all mine. We were, I was in charge of about 3,000 jobs a year. Mm. Um, I've seen a lot. Right. I've done a lot. And, on, and I did it on somebody else's dime. And I made a lot of mistakes on somebody else's dime. And we learned on somebody else's dime. So I was able to take... You know, I'm I'm 35 now. I was 30 when when I stepped out and we started a you know our, our second business, my wife and I's first business. Um, I started cutting concrete when I was 20. Uh, maybe I was 31 when when we stepped out. Um, so I had roughly 12 years of experience, but in those 12 years, I had the good fortune and and you know the the luck and the blessings of they weren't an average work 12 years, you know, for one, I worked a lot. I worked like before we had kids at 80 hour weeks, 90 hour weeks were constant. Um, and two, 
we had, I had seen so many different projects just because of the magnitude of the company that I worked for and the position that I was, you know, fortunate enough to be put in. Um, I messed up a lot. You know, me and my guys, we learned a lot. Uh, but we have been on some massive jobs. We have done some really, really cool stuff. And again, I had the benefit of doing it on somebody else's dime. So when I started my own, you know, the whole questioning myself and can I do that? There was never, for me, it was, that was never that, you know, the, the reluctancy that I had was more, do I want to put my family through this? And once, you know, we had those conversations and I realized like, you know, my wife's a writer, like she's, (laughs) she's, she's game for it. So, you know, it was okay. All right. So what do we want this company to look like? What is the goal of starting a company? You know, it's not, in my mind, if you're ever starting a company to, uh, for s- solely financial reasons, it's going to be a rough road. Especially um, the first five, ten years when you're yeah. growing it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I'm sure there are businesses out there, you know, there are startups, there are, you know, app businesses, internet, you know, I'm sure they, they roll in it, you know, two or three years into doing it. But in the construction trade, it's not like that. It's, it's a steady, chopping of the tree you know with a blunt axe like you just you just have to show up every day you have to clock in every day Uh, and i knew that you know this isn't a get rich quick scheme Um, there are some financial benefits to it you know in the three to five year run but by and large it's it's you know rent is due every day every day you know i'm up at 515 505 445 every day um and I don't have a clock out time. You know, if my guys are working nights, my phone's on. Right, right. You know, there are many, many, many days where I'm still, to this day, putting in 12, 15, 18-hour days, and it's just it's part of the job. So how did the learning take place to figure out all the administrative stuff, taxes, like all those other areas that uh, you weren't really, I guess, in charge of in your previous work experience? Um. Obviously, the internet is a beautiful thing. <laughs> right. you know. Thank God for the internet. Thank age. God for the internet. Uh, but sort of the same, uh, the same thing with my wife and you know what we've already discussed. I think any anybody in business has to have a decent team. Um, I, I was good at you know cutting concrete and training guys and building equipment and you know with the customers. You know, I'm, I got all that stuff. But there are a lot of things that I don't know. You know, so you have to. You have to have a good insurance agent. You know, you have to have a good lawyer. Uh, you have to have a good uh, accountant. You know, that you, you have to build a team. You, you read books. You know, talk to other people in your industry. Um, what I found is sort of my philosophy on it was there's there's enough work out here for for everybody. Right. Um, I'm not I'm not one that's coming in trying to push other people out of business or you know dominate a market. Um, with what we do, it's it's hard enough to train guys that I'm never necessarily concerned with where the work's going to come from. Um, and I've always sort of proceeded like that. You know, even when when I was running the largest company here in, in the Raleigh area and we had new startups, I would always make it a point to reach out to them and just, hey, man, congratulations on starting a business. If you need anything, let me know. We've got, you know, ton of diamond and bits if you ever get in a a pinch or whatever it is just don't hesitate to call um and then following through with it and what i found was when 
when I was no longer at the top, <laughs> we would no longer run in a large company. It was just me and a truck in my garage. Um, <laughs> that was returned. Right. You know, there was a lot of guys that had gone through the same thing seven years ago, six years ago, nine years ago that reached out to me and said, man, if you need anything, let me, let me know. Um, so being able to sit down with some of the go- those guys and talk to them about their insurance rates, talk to them about, you know, just, uh, coming up with attendance policies, you know, what, whatever it is, just whatever comes up through the day uh, um, was a huge help for us. You know, it was a huge help for us. So anybody that's, I would say, is starting it, um, starting any sort of business, my probably best advice would be to build a team, build a team, um, give your team credit, you know, because at the end of the day, you can wear a lot of hats, but you can't be the one doing everything you know you're right. going to have to rely on people um you know so if, if you've got that team around you like i said of, of riders like my wife then you know you're, you're going to be successful yeah man i think it's you know you can wear a lot of hats but to execute them all takes way too much time well what i find is the more hats that i wear the less effective i am at wearing those hats you right know? i mean they're when you're running a business and your business is growing, there is more to do than what I can do. Right. There's, it's just, if I never slept and worked 24 hours a day, there's still more to do than what I can do. You know, so at some point there's got to be a handoff. You have to train somebody, you have to hand it off to them and you have to expect them to do their job. Um, you have to empower them to do their job. You have to understand that not everything is going to get done the way that I would have got it done. Um, you know, they're, they're going to have their own means and methods to doing things. So, you know, that's, I think for a lot of business owners, I actually have a friend of mine who, uh, a little bit before me started a concrete cutting business in Richmond. Um, he actually worked for me for the, for the last company that I was with. And when I quit, um, Again, he's one of those guys that said, well, if you're not here, then this place is going to go downhill, so I'm not going to stay here. So he stepped out about three days after I did, and he was probably a little more clear in his uh, desire to start a business. So about two days later, he did. So I think we started our business maybe a week or two apart. (laughs) Um, He has a lot less experience in running a business than I did. So we were able to share in a lot of that stuff together. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like cheat code, you know, like you got to have people around you that when they learn the cheat code, mm-hmm. they call you up and they say, Hey, left, right, left, right, up, down. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, you got to have those people around you. Um, and it, I think for a lot of business owners, they're, they're, they're sort of scared to, step out there and put themselves out there and, and put their business out there. And I would encourage you to, you know, in anything that you do, have mentors, have a team, you know, l- lay your stuff out there and, and, and you'll get it back in return. Yeah. I'm a big, big, big proponent of, of mentors and having somebody that you're learning from and then somebody that you're turning around and teaching. And um, so speaking of teaching, when was the, uh, when did you realize, okay, I, I need to hire somebody and what was your process? And, and I guess, what is your process for hiring somebody? So <clears throat> mine was a little unique with our first employee. Um, 
a guy that I used to work with at that same company. Um, he was he left probably eight months or a year before I left. Um, he was on the wrecking side, so he didn't work for me. Um, he didn't cut concrete. He had no experience with cutting concrete, but he was a demolition superintendent, good demolition superintendent. Um, when I left my previous employee, he heard about it, called me and said, uh, hey, man, let's have lunch. Okay. So he come to my house, not to my house, uh, to a little Chinese buffet down the road from my house one day. And he just asked, he's like, are you starting a business? I said, well, my wife and I are talking about it. He's like, uh, yeah, you're starting a business, aren't you? <laughs> I said, yeah, I think we're going to. He said, well, when you start your business, I want to be your first employee. And uh, so that's kind of how I had a first employee before we had, you know, gotcha. a business. Um, and I didn't necessarily seek him out. You know, he called me. <laughs> so mine's probably a little bit unique. Um, but as far as hiring other people, I've always been a firm believer that your customer, and again, this is just in what we do, but your customers have to force you to grow. Mm. Um, when we get to the point where everybody I have is working more hours than I'm comfortable with them working, I understand I have to add another truck. We have to get some more equipment. You know, one of the guys that's been with me for a while, um, I have to put him into a truck. We have to start him out on some easier jobs. Um, you know, the, our customer base forces us to grow and has forced us to grow every step of the way. With what we do, I think it would be a mistake on my part if I were to say, okay, by the end of 2022, I want to be at X revenue and X trucks and X employees, um, and trying to, you know, trying to grow from the expectation of, you know, I guess just growth res rather than your customer saying, you know, Hey, you're doing a good job. We want you to continue to work for us and not only work for us, but we're going to take your name to other people, you know? Right. So uh, we, we don't do any advertising. All of ours is word of mouth. Um, we, we have a, very basic website. Um, we don't do, none of my trucks have my company name on them. You know, we don't, uh, we don't do any cold calls. We don't hand out business cards. Um, and we've still maintained 20 to 25% growth every year. Uh, I think the way to do that is by taking care of your customers. You know, right. we're, we're ultimately, we're in a service-based business. And if you do, you know, you, if you take care of your employees, your employees will want to work there. You set the standard for your employees. Your employees will follow the standard. And therefore, your customers will be taken care of. And the growth part of it will happen by itself. Um, you know, the higher an extra employees in, when you when you get an employee in, again, I can't be there to train them anymore. My employees have to train them. You know, so we have to have a way of doing things. Um, so it's it's just much easier when you're, when you have a process, when you have a way, when there's a, you know, what I call it that the dynamic way, that's not, that's not the dynamic way. That's not how we do things. Or, you know, um, the, the, the new guys coming in assimilate much faster. Um, they understand that, you know, there's a, there's a path and this is the thing, you know, these are the things that you have to do. This is how we do, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it may be. And, um, it, it, you know, a lot of the training takes care of itself. 
you know, gotcha. when, when you have a, a way, a process of doing things. So I know in, in the, the more construction type of work, uh, it seems to have a lot more higher turnover. A lot of times when I hear people, you know, I've never really worked in it a whole lot. I've done some tree work, but it's very minimal. Uh, do, do you encounter that? Is that something that you have to worry about or, um, I think, um, I think it was Richard Branson who said, uh, train your employees well enough that they can leave, treat them well enough that they don't want to leave. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, probably paraphrasing, but, uh, I, I believe in that. I think the turnover, any turnover, I'll say this, I've never lost a good guy, a good guy that was coming in and doing things the right way and, and leaving a good product out there. I've, I've never lost a good guy. Anybody that we have hired and, and they didn't work out, um, it was pretty mutual or the company's decision that this isn't going to work. So as far as the, you know, the guys leaving for a quarter, you know, to another job, I, I personally don't see that. Not in, not in my industry. Um, and I think a lot of it is because, you know, as a business owner, and even a manager, uh, you know, before I was a business owner, our, my most important asset has, has always been our employees. Right. It's not the equipment. Um, and to, you know, to a certain extent, it's not even the customer because the equipment and the customer and the money and all that'll all take care of itself. If you're training and treating your employees, right. Um, so I think if, if you approach it from that standpoint, then the turnover issue is going to be, you'll have turnover and I have turnover. But it, it's by guys that aren't going to make it. Right. You know, they're not they're not going to be long term dynamic employees. Um, and typically, I know that within a month or two. Um, so a lot of our turnover is just that. It's we're searching, we're searching, we're searching. We hire somebody. You know, a week later, sit down and talk to them, and it's like, yeah, this isn't for you, man. <laughs> or um, you know, a month in, a month and a half in sit down and talk to somebody and yeah, you know, this, we've tried, you know, this is, this is how we do things. You know, it's, it's probably not the place for you. You know, you put me down on your resume. That's fine. But <laughs> right. You know, I mean, some people just can't do the work. Yeah. There are some people that, um, physically just can't do what we do. Yeah. And there's, there's also a, you know, um, I tell people all the time that, with concrete cutting, you have to be smart enough to do it and you have to be dumb enough to do it <laughs> because <laughs> you have to be smart to do what we do because at right. any given time you can lose your life. I mean, mm -hmm. we're lifting. I had a guy yesterday, um, cutting 20,000 pound pieces off of, a uh, a live, um, mall. You know, you got a crane in the parking lot, you know, at any point, if he's not rigged right, if his piece weight isn't right, if his pick holes are off, you know, the, the, in anything, anything goes wrong, you have a lot of liability and a lot of damage. So you have right. to have a guy that's smart enough to do that, um, that understands all the details, you know, but also um, is dumb enough to do this every day. Because, <laughs> you know, it's cold outside and he's going to be wet and and right. and, by, and by dumb enough i don't i'm not that's not a sign of his intelligence it's right, it's right. 
he's like me. He he likes the Risky physical. <laughs> yeah, he likes the physical aspect of it. You know, most yeah. of my guys can go get an office job doing something. They just it's not them. They don't want that in life. They want the physical side of it. They want to be on multiple job sites. You know, um, they they like the travel sort of part. We don't travel very far distances anymore, but what I mean by travel is they like to go to multiple different job sites. You know, they're on a job site, two hours, two days, two weeks, but very rarely do I have a job site that's, you know, a month, but most of my stuff is a lot more short term than that. So the, the moving around, seeing people, talking to different people, getting on and off job sites, you know, that's, it takes a certain kind of person to do that. Right. Um, Some people like stability and other people like a lot of variety. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and I would say, um, all of our guys are the type that like variety. Gotcha. So how many guys do you have or how many people are a part of your team now? Uh, we've got 11 guys now. Okay. Yeah. 11 guys. Um, and it's kind of one of those again, where the, the workload is there. I mean, if, if I could find more guys, we could be at 20 right now. Um, but you get into that dangerous point of, well, I'm going to put another truck on the road just for the sake of putting a truck on the road. Right. You know, and, and you're bumping revenue, but you're not necessarily bumping profits. Um, with what we do, revenue doesn't equal profits. Right. So if you don't have the right kind of guy on the road, um, the right kind of truck, the right kind of equipment on the road, then you're, you're spinning your wheels. So, I mean, for us, again, we're, we're blessed in that we get to sort of pick who we want to work for and, the jobs that we want to do and yeah, very rarely do we have slowdowns they, they do occur but very rarely do we have slowdowns uh, most of my guys pretty consistently get 50 to 60 hours um, but there again if they want to you know take a day off they can put some notice in and take a day off or take a week off right so yeah we're 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 fortunate with uh, with that side of it now you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, like goals, things like that. So, do you ever build any kind of goals around your company, or is it just stay consistent? So, I'm a very goal oriented person. Um, I'm an A to B kind of guy, right? And, and for me, the the it's always a straight line. You know, the fastest way to get there is a straight line. Um, so, yeah, I think you do build. For me, anyway, I, I do build goals into the things that we do. Um, we do have margins that you know we like to hit. We have targets that we like to hit. Um, but that can't be the, the 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 driving factor to my business. Gotcha. Um, because I understand that the way that we achieve those things is through our employees, is through our customers. Um, you know, one of the things that was important to me when we first started was I sat down and, you know, typed out uh, a one-year financial plan, a three-year financial plan, a five-year financial plan, um, a mission statement. You know, just before you before I started in business, I just had a pretty clear picture of what I wanted my company to look like, why I wanted to start a company, um, you know, how we were going to achieve what we were going to achieve or what I wanted to achieve put it all down on paper. And there are a lot of times now where, you know, uh, running a business is like, uh, it's like, like crossing, a, you know, crossing an ocean at times, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's calm and sometimes you, you know, you got 20, 30 foot seas. 
Right. And in those times, those turbulent times, it's it, it helps me to kind of go back and look at the mission statement and look at um, where my head was five years ago when I had a pretty clear picture of the type of business that we wanted to run and how we were going to get there. Um, kind of compare my uh, financial goals from year one, year three, year five to what we actually did, um, sort of analyze why we hit certain goals and why we didn't hit certain goals or why we exceeded certain goals or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm a, me personally, I'm a very goal oriented guy. Um, but somehow or another that isn't necessarily the driving factor in in what we do. I understand that, um, any success or failure that we have is going to be centered around the employees you know, how well we maintain our equipment and our customers, how well we take care of our customers. Yeah, I think a lot of times I hear stories or, or, or situations where uh, the goals will often trump the mission. Mm-hmm. So people have set goals and they're more focused on meeting the goal than meeting the mission. And uh, so I'm a firm believer that if you set a goal, it has to be focused on fulfilling the mission. If not, then you'll just lose focus. So again, like if your goal is to just make revenue, you'll just throw any truck out there, get any guys willing to you know try to do the work, and then in the long run, you might not meet your mission. Right. And uh, so I think that's that's a, a kind of a good point that you were talking about, and not just setting those financial goals or whatever, because I think a lot of times we can get lost in that. And then if you don't meet them, and you still fulfilled the mission, you feel like you failed. Well, yes. Um, Again, though, I think a lot of our goals are, uh, they're sort of centered around, okay, in the six-month run, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Um, I think if I start to try to plan things for the 10-year run, you know, it's more broad. It's it. They're not as specific goals, you know. Gotcha. In the in the next four years, uh, I intend to have my own land with my own shop space. You know, right now we're renting. Okay. Uh, my own land with my own shop space and my own building built. That's a that's a broad goal, and you know, I, there are there are milestones along the way that have to happen for us to get there. You know, so as as far as the goal goes, that is a goal, um, but how we get there, you know, that's kind of where you bring your team in and you, you help your team set the, the shorter goals for you. So for me, I would bring, go to my, my accountant and I would say, Hey, four year run, you know, this is what we're looking at. What do we need to do to get there? What can we do to set ourselves up? You also go to your banker. Um, you go to your, uh, you know, if you have any, anybody in the industry that's, um, land development, um, you know, you, you, you try to build that team and, and you bring them in on, on your goal. Um, but, you know, for us, that that's not necessarily, a, you know, a revenue goal. Um, that it's a, it's a destination that my business needs to get to. Um, but we're, we're still focused on how we're going to get there and we're going to get there again. We're going to get there through a good product. You know, we're going to get there through a good service. Gotcha. Um, so I, I think they can live together, but but not be um, one not override. You know, the the goal not necessarily override how you're gonna how you're gonna go about accomplishing it. Gotcha. 
That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, a lot of what you're talking about is team, and I think that's great. Um, that's one thing that I hear a lot from great leaders is talking about their team, treating their people right, making sure that their people feel uh, valued. Because I think if you, you know, a lot of the really big, I mean, uh, I'm not going to call it out, but, you know, organization that i worked for, it just feels like the teammates don't matter at all. She's like, hey, just shut up, get the work done, and we'll make sure you get paid. And it was just, you know, it almost felt like prostitution. I mean, right. in a way, it was like, so you're just using me for my ability to get this job done, and you're going to pay me, and that's it. You don't really care about anything. Um, so I respect you greatly for caring about your team, and because uh, I think that's that's just something that's not valued as much. It's, just, it's more about let's just find people to get the work done, and if they don't want to do it, then just get rid of them. We don't care. We just want to get the work done. Um, so I think a lot of the things that you shared here today are great examples of, of good teamwork, team leadership, and, uh, and actually caring. Uh, cause I think a lot of people lack that, that caring aspect of their job. And, uh, so if you had, you know, any kind of just less, less bit advice to give to people who's interested in starting something, um, you know, just whether it's in general or labor specific, uh, what are some kind of a key point or two that you would probably share? Um, again, I know we've sort of talked about it a little bit, but it would be uh, understand what you want to do and why you want to do it. Um, you know, and if, if financial gain or revenue is the main driving factor to that, it's probably going to be a rough road for you. Mm. Um, you know, build a good team and then just, for me, I've been fortunate enough in my life that, um, you know, I had a, a mother that, while she wasn't without her flaws, she would tell me as a kid how I walked on water, you know. So the the confidence aspect of it was never a question for me. Um, so I would say kind of get your mind right and understand that there's going to be ups and downs and there's going to be, you know, a lot of downs <laughs> when you're first starting um, you know, just a, a quick story. We were five months in, um, my, the, my work truck blew the motor coming back from a job site on a Friday. It was Saturday evening, Saturday evening, had to get the truck, the truck towed back to the house. As I pull in, my wife's in tears because mm. our computer fried. So all of our receivables, everything that we had been doing fried, we had nothing. We had to start over from scratch and buy a computer. And at the time, we didn't have the money to buy a computer. And then Sunday night, my house burned down. Dang. You know, so we were, I mean, it was a rough, uh, you know, 30 hours for us. <laughs> so, you know, all of my, at the time, I was I was working out of my garage, um, you know. Still had a garage, but I didn't have a house that I could live in. Mm. So where where what what are we gonna do with the equipment? Where are we gonna live? You know, what are we gonna how are we gonna on top of everything else get back to our billing? How are we gonna know who owes us money? You know, what how are we gonna do all of this stuff? I mean, that would have been a great time right there to say, okay, this ain't for me. Um, but because we, I, you know, we just had unwavering faith in what we were doing and, and uh, you know, our own abilities. Um, we knew that this was something 
my wife and I are carried a lot by our faith. We knew this is something that, you know, we were sort of called to do. Um, and we had a, a pretty decent team around us. It, it, we just walked through it, you know, one foot in front of the other. Um, made some mistakes along the way, but if if we had that that little uh, dark voice in the back of your head talking, saying this ain't for you and you can't do this and, you know, look at all these things that are going wrong, we never would have made it. You know, so there's, that's just, again, that's just our story. You know, we're, we're, it's going to be the trials and tribulations are going to be different for everybody. Um, but if you're giving yourself an out, if you're giving yourself a backup, um, if you're saying, well, if this doesn't work, I'll go do this. Um, my personal advice is don't even start it. Mm. Don't even start it. Because for us, when we started a company, when we decided to start a company, it was, this is what we're doing full steam ahead, full steam ahead. There's no backup plan. There's no nothing. I mean, if we got to sell the house, we'll sell the house. Whatever it is that we got to do, that's what we're going to do. If I got to work 50 hours in a row, then I'm going to work 50 hours in a row. It is what it is. Um, so the, the idea for us of failure and quitting was never, it's not that it wasn't, you know, it, it just never entered into our mind. Um, I, I think in today's business landscape, at least in what we do, if, if you don't have that kind of resolve, don't start, don't just don't do it. Cause not everybody's is, has to like, I'm not the type of person that has to own a business. I was fine working for somebody. Right. Right. I mean, there's not a, for me, there's not a pride aspect in, you know, being a business owner. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't mean I, I still cut concrete. I'm a, I'm a concrete cutting operator. That's what I do. Um, be the same if I was working for somebody else. I mean, <laughs> right. Same thing. So it's just uh, now you, you, bear all the weight of the company now yes that is one way to put it now we do we do bear a lot of the weight um sort of the way that i look at it though is if we want to make a decision you know we don't have to go through a board or anything like it. we just make the decision we figure out what's best for everybody we make the decision and we move on so i'm not beholding to anybody else's bad decisions or good decisions or whatever it is um you know we get uh we get to run a company the way that we want to run a company and there's you know there's some there's a lot of freedom in that gotcha um but yeah i mean if if you're questioning yourself or if this is really what you want to do i mean that those are decisions that need to be decisively made before you even start in on uh what you know you want to be an s corp or an llc you got to figure out if this is how how far you're willing to take it because in my experience uh, you're going to get stretched so in other words, if, if you already have a plan B, you should just go with plan B. Go with plan B. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, Jared, I appreciate your time, man. I appreciate you sharing your story. I think there's a lot of great wisdom uh, in this interview. Yeah, no worries. And, uh, you know, looking forward to see how everything has grown over the years. Uh, hopefully we'll still know each other five, ten years down the road. Yeah. And I uh, just appreciate your time, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. All righty, that was the interview with Jared London from Dynamic Concrete Cutting. Uh, thank you again, Jared, for taking your time to do this interview. He told me it's the first one he's ever done. And I said, there's not a second time for everything, but there is a first time for everything. <laughs> so I hope you appreciated that interview. Uh, I love the fact uh, that he pointed out the importance of teamwork and making your team feel valued and let them know how important they are to your business Please take some notes from that. And uh, and even in your own household, 
let people in your household know how important they are and how valued they are. Uh, you know, even those people who are not contributing to a business, they still need to know that they count and that they matter and have a purpose. And so thanks again, Jared. Thank you to all the listeners of the show. I appreciate you tuning in to uh, True Strength Apparel, Jay Sannon, LT Smith for being uh, the greatest Patreon supporters ever. You guys rock. I appreciate you. If you would like to contribute to the show, you can do so uh, via patreon.com slash business with Bordeaux. Uh, still looking for interviews. If you know anybody who is interested in being interviewed, who has a business that they have been building, that has been going, that they have been operational in, um, I would love to interview them uh, as a part of this show. It doesn't have to be music business. doesn't have to be anything specific, but you know, I would like to kind of widen the range of topics and things for this show uh, kind of helps grow a larger audience and help more people. Uh, you know, I've talked so much with, with so many people in the music business that I think you've gotten a taste of a lot of different areas. And I really want this to be a, a wide ranged show. So to all of you who could, uh, you know, find somebody who might be interested, please let me know. You can you know, shoot me an email business with at gmail.com. And I'd appreciate it. So uh, until next time, I do want to thank you for tuning in. Also, real quick, I want to shout out to Trackstars, man. Uh, if you don't know, Trackstars.com do a lot with Christian media. Uh, they have Nectar Distribution. Uh, Render TV is something new that's going on. R-E-N-D-R.TV. It's a Christian streaming platform right now. It is free for anybody who wants to sign up. We're trying to get it launched and get it going and uh, we're trying to add content every week new shows and whatnot and there's a lot of good stuff up there so make sure you go and check that out now just appreciate track stars for helping out so many people trying to advance their creative entrepreneurial dreams whether it's for artists podcasters people wanting to do film anything like that uh just very grateful for that platform and for the team over at track stars and uh and yeah so that's it for the show this week uh, I'll be back, hopefully, within the next couple of weeks or a month. And always remember, the more you learn, the more you know, and the more you know, the more you grow. Thanks and God bless.